welcome to The Walking Bucket. We're back, a little bit of a hiatus for the holidays. We know you might have been overwhelmed with all the, the Thanksgiving food, so we didn't want to overload you even more with some spew from Ezra and I. I'm already with the dad jokes. It's really bad. But anyways, it's special episode. We will have our, our first guest here, but the most uh, important person on the podcast, of course, my co-host, Ezra. How are you doing, Ezra? I'm doing well. Thanks for the, the nice introduction there. Appreciate that. Um, excited to be back. It's been it's been a minute. I think we last recorded like almost two weeks ago. So it's good to be back. Um, we got our first guest on the pod, like you mentioned. My good friend Dario Zulo is in the same fraternity as me at school, year older. Um, both have a love for the game. We talk basketball every now and then. Figured we'd invite him on, have him talk a little bit of basketball specifically about his hometown team, the Detroit Pistons, um, a team that probably not a lot of listeners know about or know too much about, um, unless you're a strong fan of them or their team or are from the area, you know, probably don't know much, but I'm glad I'm looking forward to getting some insight and having a nice discussion here. And I'll turn it over to you, Dario, if you have anything you want to add. No, just, uh, happy to be here. Excited. I, uh, you know, you don't, you don't hear about the Pistons being talked about a lot. So I'm, I'm always happy to uh, spread some insight on, you know, maybe a small market team that is often overlooked or has been out of the spotlight for a good while now. Definitely. Definitely. And I can't promise that we will bring the national attention to the Pistons, <laughs> but we will, we will definitely try our best here at the walking bucket. So as we always do every episode, we will start with our walking bucket of the week. It's going to have a special twist, though. We're going to turn it over to Dario, and we're going to take the walking bucket on the Detroit Pistons, and we're going to see who he's got that maybe listeners wouldn't know about. Everyone knows about Cade. Everyone knows about Jeremy Grant. Who's the guy on your team that's not those two that you trust with the ball in their hands to get you a bucket? a great question and I think the Pistons are such a tough team to have that for for the reason that one they're one of the worst records in the league so there's really not too many guys outside of those two that are creating their own shots but um besides the two like 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 gun to my head have to choose a guy to make a bucket I'd have to go with you know I'd have to go with Frank Jackson and here's the reason why one Last season, he shot over 40% from three, or pretty close. He had a good three-point shot last year. Um, and two, he's been, he's been having some good scoring games this year. Even though the Pistons are losing, he, uh, he finds a space in the offense. He's not a great defender. He's, you know, a come-off-the-bench energy type guy. But, uh, you know, he, 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 can, he can shoot the shot, and he can take shots from anywhere on the court. He can hit the deep three. He can do layups. He can do – he has a mid-range game. He's good at free throws. So, um, that's a tough answer, though, because honestly, I don't want him taking the last shot. But if I had to, I think I'm going to take Frank Jackson. And a big reason for that is Sadiq Bey is, is underperforming, in my opinion. But that's, uh, yeah, that's, I guess that's a little bit of a personal opinion. All right. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's fair because the Pistons are the only team in the league with an offensive rating of under 100. They have the worst offensive rating in the league. And Frank Jackson is, I believe, shooting below 40% from the field, but there's not many better options. So it, it's, it, I did put you in a tough spot there, Ezra. Yeah, that's, I didn't expect you to say Frank Jackson. I, I 
have not watched many Pistons games this year, aside from against the Nets. Um, Frank Jensen didn't play much earlier in the year, or at least against the Nets, from what I remember. Um, he's always been like a scoring guard. I also didn't realize he shot 40% from three last year. I just looked on the computer. He shot 40.7% from three, which is pretty, pretty absurd. I was that, That's an interesting guy to have get you a bucket. I was looking at yeah, the stats. Definitely. I was looking at the stats and I was like, whoa he's really close to being 50, 40, 90. And then I realized that the 39.5% was from the field, not, not from three, but um, it is what it is. We are going to, if I had a walking bucket, it'd be a, sh- a little shout out to Jay, Jay Sean Tate, but that's about it. Put up a good stat line the, the other night, stick with the, the unsung heroes here. Anyways, how do you want to dive into the Pistons, Ezra? Where, where should we start here? Yeah, I think um, I think a good first starting point for you, Dario, is just share a, little, a few of your thoughts about the current state of the Pistons. Um, over the past two years, what have you liked that they've done in a rebuilding state? What have you not liked? Um, and what do you think about the first 20 or so games of this season? Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, the past few years for the Pistons has been rough. Um, really, I'd say before uh, uh, this past draft, it was really bad. Like we didn't really have a young core at all and uh, very little identity. I think we were stuck in kind of that weird spot. A lot of the teams get stuck in where it's like uh, with a Stan Van Gundy era where it's like, you're competing for the eight seed, but not really competing. Cause we know we can't beat the heat. We know we can't beat the Cavs. We're not touching the box, you know, all these Eastern conference teams. We're not beating the Celtics are a lot stronger than us. So um, I think the last time we made the playoffs was 2016. Maybe, no, no, it was a year after with Blake Griffin. But regardless, yeah, both times we got swept, right? The Cavs swept us and then the Bucks swept us. So um, and the Pistons had to blow it up. They had to. We were, we were too complacent trying to make Andre Drummond, KCP, Tobias Harris. You know, you can go down the list of mediocre, you know, overpaid average players work, you know. And eventually you can try to, like, remake whatever the Hawks did when they had you know, Kyle Korver and Jeff Teague and all those guys, but it's not going to work. So they had to blow it up. And I think getting the number one draft pick was maybe like the best thing that the Pistons ever could have got because Cade is, I am all on the Cade train. Um, The Pistons are awful, but this is exactly what they need to do. They're going to get, in my opinion, they're going to have Cade Cunningham, um, who's I think, you know, future star in this league, uh, if not already doing very well. And then you have, young supporting cast. You have Isaiah Stewart. Um, you have Sadiq Bey, who were first and second team all rookies last year. Um, and then also young pieces, like kind of guys that you could take a flyer on, like Hamadou Diallo, who is uh, one of Troy Reaver's guys that he brought in from OKC. They traded, I think, Steve McKaylee, if I remember correctly, yeah. traded for, but brought him from OKC. And I'm a huge, I'm a huge Hamadou Diallo fan. In fact, that's one of my biggest pet peeves right now. He's not getting more minutes. Um, but we have these young pieces, so you know, I think the direction's right. Even though we're going to tank, we're going to be absolute trash for probably the next, I'd say, two, maybe three seasons guaranteed. Um, there's like, there's the East is getting so much better right now. It's the right thing to do. You have to be bad. Right. I agree. I mean, I, I really like Cade. He had a little adaption phase getting into the league. I, he struggled a bit first couple of games. Starting catches groove. He had a good game against the Rockets um, that I fully watched, um, but he's he's been playing solid. 
Um, last year, I I think Troy Weaver got hired last year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, was Killian Hayes his pick or no? Um, I think he was after. I'm pretty sure he was. I after think that. so. Yeah. Um, I so I was curious. Uh, sorry, what were so you I was going to say Seku, the guy that the Nets yeah. dropped eventually was that was that was, I remember that was like Troy Weaver cleaning house. Mm. Exactly. Yeah, I think he was the last guy on the team um, that wasn't one of his guys or made a move for something like that. But I was curious what you thought about the Killian Hayes pick, what you think about him now, or if he's going to be on the team after this year. No, I have this, I have this talk with some friends sometimes about Killian Hayes. Um, You know, people make the argument that he's like the perfect two guard, but next to Cade, because he's a decent defensive guard. He can shoot. I think he's shooting the best three point shot on the Pistons team this year, which is not saying much. Um, But he also, like he has his game really hasn't improved from his draft night in my opinion like he still has no right hand he has a left floater he shoots free throws okay he's a decent passer but he gets turnovers so mm. is killian hayes like i think i think he's gonna have this off season and then he has to he has to show something he has to show that he can put up like a 15 5 and 5 stat line like he has to average like 12 5 and 5 or something he has to show that he can do that and if he can't, then I don't know if this is really the guy you want going forward. Um, right. I think That's the fair. whole thing with like Seku too is similarly where he was drafted as like this 19 year old prospect. Um, and the vision was you had this young guy who could, you know, you know, take years and develop into like something special. Um, it just wasn't like it was eventually like you have to see, you know, you got to stop using age as an excuse where it's like, okay, now he's 20, now he's 21. And now it's like, how much time are we going to give him to, Right. he's 21 he's not going to learn how to like like do step back threes like Steph like he's not going to put that in his arsenal this next year he's not going to learn how to like it's the honest effect it's the honest effect <laughs> exactly every young long European gets compared to Giannis and as a Mavs fan it's the same thing that happened in the early 2000s every large white European man who maybe had a video of him making a jump shot was like, Oh, he's the next Dirk. The problem with saying that about anyone is there is no next Giannis and they're probably, and there's no next Dirk. So if you're, that's the strategy that you're drafting on, you're going to be drafting at the, at the top of the lottery for an extended period of time. Right. Actually, I'm curious about your guys' opinions on this about, um, I feel like a lot of people put too much emphasis on age when drafting. Because they'll draft guys that are, you know, in their teenagers, 18, 19 year olds because of potential that are really not producing that, you know, really not doing that well, um, as opposed to maybe drafting like a 21, 22 year old that's uh, more easily slips under the radar. So I was wondering, do you think there's too much of an emphasis on that? All right, I'll start here. I think it depends. It's all about situation. If you are a terrible team and you have a top seven pick, you take the flyer top 10 pick, you take the flyer on the young guy and figure it out. If, if he's terrible, then you try again next next year. But what are you going to like? What were, what would the magic or the rockets or the thunder do right now with Chris Duarte? They'd be right back in the lottery again. And great. Like you have a good player, but you have a good fringe piece and you need the fringe pieces but if you're a terrible team, you need to take the flyer because you're not going to become a not terrible team with a fringe 
piece guy. I think that's fair. I think also, I think I completely agree. This is an addition statement. I think teams still don't draft older guys even when they're adding to a contender. Um, I think the draft has turned into a young guy pool of players, and there people overlook the older guys that can contribute right away. Duarte is a top of mind example, and it's easy to say like, "Oh, now that we see a guy like that contributing, and he'll probably be solid in the league for a decent amount of years," that we should kind of gravitate more towards older players. But um, I think it definitely has become a younger player draft pool, and teams have focused on younger players, but. Um, when the opportunity is there and you really like guy definitely should go for it i think i think it's, I think it's sorry no, no no go ahead go ahead well i was gonna say i think it's almost like the opposite of like hockey where I, I don't follow hockey at all but i've heard that um like older players in hockey people born in like earlier months are way more likely to go to the league because they're bigger and stronger and all this stuff um like people born in like january february march are way more likely to end up in the uh nhl because mm-hmm. they're their larger size individuals for their age group. And really they start recruiting hockey like 14. But I feel like with basketball, it's the opposite. It's it's like this player turns 21 and then all of a sudden he's like off scouts radars because he's no longer a 20 year old or he turned, he's no longer a teenager. So he gets off the radar. Like this guy is too old now. Like he, he, he somehow, seemingly like he it's six months older than these other scouts has shown all everything that he has in his bag. And you know, that's, that's it. He has no more player development left. I don't know. I think it's, I think it's a little bit overrated because like you said, a guy like Chris Duarte, he's only 24, right? 23, 24. He's still like a pretty young guy. He has like four years till his prime, three years till his prime. He's obviously going to get better and he's still just a college player. Right. I would, yeah. Anyway, I'd rather have a guy like that than maybe a younger guy. That's just super raw. That just has whatever. You're just saying like, Oh, like he's going to grow into his body. Like Seku, exactly. Something like that. Yeah. Right. I think that it's a good transition point. One, I like my old guy in Jalen Brunson. Great. Great value where we got him. Villanova pumps out those guys. DiVincenzo, Bridges, Brunson. Pascal was decent on the terrible warrior team. But anyways, this is a good transition into. So you kind of brought it up. What are your thoughts on um, Sadiq Bey? He's also right in that same wheelhouse, what I'm talking about. He was a later round draft pick and I wish the Mavs drafted him. What are your thoughts on him? Can he be a piece on a championship team? Do you see him sticking around in Detroit a lot, a while? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I was a huge Sadiq Bay fan. His rookie year, I was super excited, especially when um, first team all rookie. He's, uh, yeah, I mean, he just, this year, it's obviously he's taken a slump, but you know, people call it like the sophomore slump. So I don't know if that's an excuse or not, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited. He's a decent defender. He, you know, he's, he's, he's big, he's strong. He can get rebounds. Uh, he shoots the three ball. Well, uh, he's a couple moves in his arsenal. He's like a good post-up game. Uh, no, I, I, I like him a lot. And I think he's going to be part of the Pistons future. I do. I don't think, I think his ceiling is like, a, uh, like maybe like a Robert Covington type player, like Robert Covington. It's like best season is like kind of where you can get to maybe like a little bit better than that. I don't really see him as like a future all-star necessarily just because I don't think he has. Um, I honestly, I just, I don't think he has like the ambition to make it to an all-star. Um, I think a lot of, I think he's happily like 
being able to contribute to like a, a good team and, and be like a building piece. I think he's happy with that role. Um, could he do it? Sure. I mean, anyone, any young player has like the potential to do it if they have a, a fantastic season. If you look at like, like uh, Miles Bridges this year or someone like that, like just having a crazy breakout season. Um, but no, I, I, I'm, I think he's going to be like, like a starter for a, a, a play, like a playoff team for, for a while. That's fair. So I really like him too. He actually was supposed to be the Nets pick. We ended up trading for Bruce Brown um, and got Landry Shaman in that trade, which I thought was a good trade for us. We obviously don't have Landry Shaman anymore because he was going to get paid and got paid. Um, and Bruce Brown is still on the team, key contributor. I am still happy with that trade, even though I think Sadiq Faye is probably the fit for the Pistons more so than the Nets at the current for our current rosters. Um, but so I was, I was actually looking at the Pistons roster or Pistons roster situation and going to next year, they have six team options. If I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. five team options and a player option. The five team options are Killian Hayes, Hamadou Diallo, Isaiah Stewart, Frank Jackson, Sadiq Bay. Um, do you think which of those guys that I just listed do you think will be back? I could rename them. I just went pretty quickly. Oh no, I just I pulled it up. Um, you know, guys that I'd like to be back. I want to see Killian Hayes do another year, of course, because I use the seventh pick. I don't want to give up on this kid too quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's a no-brainer for me. I, I'm actually really high on Hamadou Diallo. I I was watching him um on OKC when he was playing, and he's got not a great shot, but he's good, good touch at the rim and he's slam dunk champion i think he's he's an athletic guy and if you think about like if you look at like zach levine almost on the timberwolves when he was not really you know not all not the player he was now but he had that potential to be like that athletic guard that could jump out the gym i think how many dollars that guy obviously i don't he's not zach levine but he has that potential he has that framework and that build and he has that athleticism um so i i'm really high on him i i really like how diallo um Isaiah Stewart, I got to have back, especially after he's like, he embodies Detroit so well too. He's like a fan. He's one of my favorite players now, honestly. He's a fan favorite. Uh, yeah, I can't let go of him. Uh, Sadiq Bay, got to bring back. Frank Jackson, I'm going to bring back as well. Also very young. And then I think Trey Lyles is probably the only one that I would let walk, if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. And so you you like the guys they have now moving for – this in this rebuild period, you think that these are the guys that are gonna you're gonna move forward with. I think you'll have some. We briefly talked about this when I was in Ann Arbor with you. you you're excited for Blake to be off the books, um, and now you have DeAndre Jordan. You're paying him seven million a year for the next two years, but not really a ton of money. Um, and you don't really your highest paid guy is Jeremy Grant, twenty million a year. So you, you're gonna have space to sign a guy. It's it's not the easiest thing to lure a guy to Detroit, but definitely some money to work with if you want to make a trade or somehow could spend money on a big time guy. But I think if, if that's the core you like and you got it in place, I think you definitely should keep it. Um, we'll see what Troy Weaver does in the off season. I think it could be interesting to see if they can make a big free agent or not, maybe not a big free agent splash, but a little, a little splash. You know, uh, a couple ideas I have for guys is, uh, well, I think we're going to be bottom of this league this year, right? So I think we got to make a good draft pick top, hopefully top five draft pick. And we have to get someone, we have to get someone that can be like the number two decade. Right. right. And I think 
a guy that I really want to get this offseason is uh, Bull Bull, actually. Because one, he's unhappy in Denver, right? Unhappy in Denver. And uh, two, I think he, he can play. What do you think about that? No, I saw you laughing. <laughs> I just want to say I love Hamadou Diallo also. I think he's really fun oh, to yeah. watch. He's electric to watch. And he actually, if you just look at his shooting percentages, he's shooting 52.8% from the field, sixty over 60% from uh, two-point shots. And he doesn't really take any threes, and they're awful. But at least... I used to think he was kind of a diva, but he, he's at least he knows his role enough to not think he's a three point shooter. And maybe there's a place for like spark energy guy off the bench. He, I could see him. He still has a lot of potential, but I could see him like maybe a Corey Brewer type spark off the bench, which is what the Mavs had for the finals run. Um, yeah. Not, not that you're poised for a finals run right now. Um, I don't, really love bull bull but you are in a position to take flyers on guys like that because why not i think you should be collecting as much draft capital as possible and at the deadline you should take any bad contract with picks which is what annoying okc does but they have they can trade for anyone in the entire league any single player they can outbid anyone so i think you guys should at least position yourself some way and they still have good guys so maybe you guys can do something similar. People don't like that, but I like that. I I personally like it. Um, the Nets did similar things um, in their rebuild phase. Took on Timofey Mozgov, a bunch of other guys that they got rid of. Alan Crabb also. Um, so I think I think I really think it's a good tactic. Draft capital is extremely important, and even though. Pistons have not had great draft picks up until this year. Um, ties will turn. Ball of averages. Yeah. I think a I think a team to look at that's doing it right right now is the Charlotte Hornets. And the reason is, you guys remember when they paid Terry Rozier and everyone was like, oh, that's an awful contract. Uh, they got Gordon Hayward and everyone in Boston was like, oh, he's a diva. We don't want him on our team. Take him. And then they drafted LaMelo Ball and then they Miles Bridges, who's having a great season this year. So they have like, they had, they brought on these vets and they have these young guys. They have a young core, PJ Washington as well. They have a young core and they have the vets that they can build around and they're doing well. Like they have a good culture in Charlotte. They have, they have a leader in LaMelo who's going to be an all-star this year, I think. And they have like, people know that he's the guy now. And so they have, you know, they got rid of uh, Devonte Graham because there's too much backlog at the, um, at the guard position. But I think that's the team that you have to emulate for rebuild for small market teams. They did it hundred percent right. That's what the Pistons need to do. Like Jeremy Grant, people wanted to trade him. I say we got to keep Jeremy. The reason is he embodies Detroit. One, free agents don't come to Detroit. He willingly came to Detroit off of, you know, he got the same contract offer from Denver and he came to Detroit instead. Um, and you don't trade a guy like that. And then you have you have young pieces and you we have our starring Kate. So I think we have a, if we have a successful draft this next draft and we can pick up a couple free agents, maybe like a maybe $25 million player, $20 million player. Once uh, Blake Griffin's off the books. Uh, I think that we can be in a similar situation as, as the Hornets are in, in like two seasons from now. I, I like it. I like the vision. I wasn't expecting you to go that route or I didn't expect you to use the Hornets as an example, but I, I definitely agree. I think there are a couple 
pieces that need to be filled, role players that need to develop a bit. Some of those guys we mentioned earlier, like a Frank Jackson, like a Isaiah Stewart, that could be solid, solid, reliable role guys in the league, role players. When you say role guys, it sounds like setting a screen, but role players. Um, I think, I mean, two years down the road, I could definitely see that. I just think the, that's that's the key for them moving forward. Do you believe? Oh, go sorry. ahead. Go ahead. No, you go first. I was going to say, do you believe in in the the brain trust of the Pistons, the former Mavs assistant Dwayne Casey and the GM Troy Weaver to to execute your vision? Ezra, were we having the same vision there I just now? That's the same question. All right. Same See, this is question. this is that's the real question, right? Because if you think about who really makes the team, like it's it's the GM makes the team and the coach plays the players. So that's really the relationship that you got to have in a team. And I would I would go, I would go to say that might be one of the most underrated parts about basketball is how important a GM is like a GM does everything like they do. You can't, they negotiate contracts. They pick up free agents. They, they, they negotiate for players to sign there. They look at draft picks. Like a GM is really like, if you're playing like a fantasy player, the GM is like the guy that makes a fantasy team. So I think Trevor Reaver's our guy. Um, he's made a couple moves that I'm questionable about. Like he signed Deadman and he, I, he's got to stop stretching guys. Like, I don't want to pay guys on the books for, we just got off like uh, Josh Smith's contract of like 5 million a year for like the past five years when he's sitting on his couch watching us play. We got to stop stretching guys. Like the Deadman stretching stupid. We should have just kept Deadman. And especially now that we have no centers, like we should have kept him. But I think the picks, I, I am all in on Troy Weaver. I, I see his vision. And, you know, even when he did that Luke Kennard trade, Everyone was upset about them. They're like, oh, why do you trade away Luke Kennard? Why do you trade away Bruce Brown to the Nets? Like, Bruce Brown was a fundamental piece. So I'm actually curious to think how you think he's doing. But And he's like, oh, look at these guys. And then we got Sadiq Bey back and Isaiah Stewart back. And a draft that was supposed to be like a weak draft, we got young guys that have proven they can play. And maybe they aren't starters. Maybe Isaiah Stewart isn't a starting center. He can play, but he definitely can play backup center. You know, he can. And especially because now that he's in Detroit and he's like, we have these young guys we're building around. I think it just adds to the culture. Dwayne Casey, another matter. I think Dwayne Casey is his, I think his season's in question right now, if I'm being honest. Mm. Like he is known as a player development coach, but um, no, I don't think he's done a great job with rotations. He's, he's playing like older players over the young guys right now. And I, Corey Joseph, I, if, Corey Joseph is getting way too many minutes over Killian Hayes, over Hamadou Diallo. They should just start Hamadou. Bench score, Trey Lyles is getting minutes over Isaiah Stewart and Luca Garza. These guys are getting cut out of the rotation and, and it irks me. But that's just, you know, if that's the guy that the Pistons believe in, I believe in him too. Fair. Quick question. Um, Ann Arbor guy, Isaiah Livers, he got many minutes or no? No, no, no. He's in the G League right now. Gotcha. Yeah. I was going to ask, how is Bruce Brown doing? You like him? I love Bruce Brown. He, uh, he had a, obviously <laughs> had a great, great season last year. Um, I think no one really knew what he was capable of, and that's used him in a way that no one expected as like a roll, rolling guard. Now to use the roll yeah. guy in, a, in that in that sense. Um, and th this year he's been a bit underwhelming, I think, because people expect it from him. He was also cut out of the rotation for the first like 10 games of the season, which was really weird. Steve Nash was just like playing with lineups, but now he's back in the rotation. Nets always do better when he's on the floor. Um, especially with shooters around him, and he's a solid defender. So definitely can't complain. He's definitely worth more than his $8 million a year 
contract that we got him for this year. I mean, it's one year and he'll get more money next year, but I'm very happy that he's on our team. Interesting. You guys aren't going to have to fight it out over Blake Griffin. You both don't like him now. <laughs> I think, no, nah, I think Blake will ultimately uh, get some minutes off the bench for us. I don't think he's fully cut out of the rotation, but I think he needs his legs under him. I'm not a Blake Griffin fan, if I'm being honest. I don't see I know. <laughs> yeah, he didn't really do anything for Detroit well. And uh, it seems like he's kind of taking cheap shots at Detroit now. So I don't, I'm not a fan. Yeah, I could see, I could see why he wouldn't be. He led the league in charges until he went to the <laughs> say that, but he's also shooting 16% from three. So yeah, gotta yeah. be a balance there. What about Andre Drummond? Do you like how, did you like him or were you happy when the rest of the league was jumping on the shift to, to just be how he was so terrible and what are the Lakers doing? And now he's on a vet min. Are you, do you think he's underpaid? Do you miss him? Are you just happy that everyone else hates him now? Where are you on that spectrum? Dude, I, I think that uh, that's one of the kind of like the beauties of, you know, these players going from like small market to big market teams is they just get exposed on just like a national scale. Like the Pistons get no media if Andre Jovan goes like one for 15 and gets 20 rebounds. That's what they say. It was like 20 rebounds, six point game. Amazing. But you don't really see that he doesn't, set good screens he spaces zero percent of the floor um he's kind of a negative on offense defense he's all decent but he's not kind of a black hole so i think going to the lakers and kind of getting that attention is um like almost a little bit of like karma but also a little bit of uh 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 yeah i think it was it was it was just a long time due um, <laughs> do i think he's worth more than the minimum contract yes i think he's worth more than the minimum contract a lot more? No, I don't think he's worth a lot more. Um, no, but I, I'm kind of, I, you know, I am different about him. You know, he played for us and I, I respect him as a player. Um, he got shown up by Embiid and basically every other center in the league every time they went at it. So I guess that's something too, but uh, you know, I no hard feelings. All right. What about if you can describe your Pistons fandom in one word? Is it possible to do so? I'll give you two words if needed, but that's the limit. Uh, I would say, I would say loyal, just because they've been bad for so long that if you're a Pistons fan at this point, if I meet someone on the street that can talk Pistons with me and like that knows Pistons history especially in recent years I am like this guy like I, I have a lot of respect for this guy because it's not fun to watch the games and they're not good but if you're if you're keeping on it now I think that says something I I feel that wholeheartedly when the Nets were had 12 <laughs> yeah. and 70 yeah. seasons and we're struggling before the move to Brooklyn even the past couple of years before signing Katie and Kyrie made the playoffs a couple of times but they stuff New Jersey fans stuck through that time and they're here now. I know they're the real ones. So hopefully the Pistons time comes at some point in the near future. Uh, Ezra, anything, anything else in particular you got on the Pistons? I don't think so. Anything else from you, Dario? Uh, nothing. I'm just, I'm going to the Pistons Nets game on, uh, not this Sunday, next Sunday. So is it in, is it in Detroit? In Detroit, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. 
nice. so I'm looking forward Very to that nice. one. That's that's my first game of the year, but I'm pumped. Very nice. Two years ago, I went to uh, <laughs> Nets Pistons opener. The Pistons actually. Oh no, maybe it was three years ago. Um, Nets lost the Pistons. We had Levert and uh, Dinwiddie playing. It's mm. a good time. I like yeah. I like going to Pistons games. Little Caesars is fun. Little Caesars is fun. Yeah. And we have we have Mavs Nets this week, so it's yeah. a big big week for the pod. Big things coming. You'll hear some, maybe some banter on Mavs Nets. You'll hear a lot more of me and Ezra as always. Maybe. No, I got, I got one question for you. So I, in fantasy, I was, I was offered a trade for Porzingis for OG and Anobi. And I was wondering, do you think I should take that trade? I mean, I, I don't think you should only because when Porzingis plays, he's going to get you 20 and 10 on average. And I'm assuming you probably have a double-double bonus. No, we don't. Oh, you don't? Well, 20 and 10 is still better than like 25 and 3 or 4 probably, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that the way that we're using him now and the way that he's moving, as long as he doesn't get hurt, he's going to be better. I mean, that's the risk with everything. I, I I'm trying to be more patient with him. They are using him differently. And he honestly has looked much, much better. Like I actually think we have a little bit of Nick's Porzingis with some more strength. I, I do. I think you should keep him. I think you should keep him. I have OG on my fantasy team. Um, I try not to draft Mavs because it gets too frustrating when they stink for the fantasy team and uh, the Mavs lose. But um, I think you should, you should keep Porzingis. Buy yeah. stock now. Hold. I just I just remember last year when Mavs player were like calling for his head on a stake. <laughs> when they were like willing to trade him for like anything. <laughs> I was there. I was there until about a couple weeks ago. The first week of the season, I was ready to rescind my fandom. And now yeah. I'm not. But it's been a, it's been a good episode. We're happy to have a guest here. Ezra and I will be back soon with our normal, your regularly scheduled program talking a lot of stuff that hopefully someone out there cares about. And then maybe we'll, we'll bring on some more guests, do some more deep dives back to our roots from the, the RMBA show. That's all I got. Uh, thanks Dario again, Ezra. Thank you, Dario. It was fun, fun having you on. Good to, to spew with you. Love talking basketball always. Definitely. Thank you guys for having me. This was super fun.